to the early service today with it being, uh, being the new year and last night being New Year's Eve, but I'm glad uh, a good number of us are here this morning. Uh, my name is Enrico, one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to, uh, to welcome you, especially if you are uh, visiting us or if you're a first-time guest. Uh, we are glad that you have made your way to be here with us and, and worship the Lord together with us. A um, couple of quick announcements here as we, uh, we kick off the new year. Uh, one is if you are a part of the Gig Harbor South group or if you would like to be part of the Gig Harbor South group, that's a, the SALT group that meets on Monday nights, um, that group is actually dividing into two. So hopefully if you're part of the group you're aware of this, but if not, um, so one of the groups will be led by Mark and Fred and we'll meet at the church. One of the groups will be led by uh, John Hubbard and Larry Anderson, and we'll meet at Joe and Gloria's house. So if you have questions about that, go see Mark. If you have been thinking about attending a SALT group on Monday night and haven't yet, this would be a good time to maybe join one of those groups. Um, so Mark will have all the information for you in, in terms of times and, and what to do there or um, um, anyone else that's part of that group as well. Um, also, on Saturday, you are all invited to a memorial service for uh, the mother of Chris Todd Hunter. And the service will be at 3 p.m. here at our church. She passed away um, last, uh, yeah, it would be last month, beginning of December. Um, and so we'll have a memorial service to, to celebrate her life and to thank the Lord for her life on Saturday at 3 p.m. So if you are able to and would like to come out to support a Todd Hunter family, that would be great. Um, and then um, we look forward to a baptism service on January 29th. So if you've been thinking about baptism or if you have been uh, wondering when there might be an opportunity, January 29th will be our next baptism service. So if you are interested in baptism, um, make sure you grab one of our baptism brochures from the, the table next to the entrance doors and speak to Pastor Chris or myself or any of the other elders. Uh, if you have any questions or if you'd like to be part of that service, um, we, would love to, uh, we would love to be involved in your baptism. Um, as, we, as we kick off the year here, let me read a little bit of Psalm 100. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now, why can we be thankful and, and praise God and bless his name? It says, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. We can thank him and, and praise him and bless his name because he is good, and he is loving, and he is faithful to all of us. So would you stand up with us as we praise our God like the psalm tells us to do?
Happy New Year. My name is Willie Clark. I used to be in charge of children's ministries here at Discovery Baptist and was on the board for a period of time. So if you have any questions about children's ministries or something along those lines, I can probably help you with that or direct you to Christian Gidry. He is in charge of those things now. So before we go into prayer, I just want to take a few moments and read Psalm 84. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those who, whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold, behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words you provided to us in Psalms 84 of a pilgrim traveling to Jerusalem, then up to the temple to celebrate one of the feasts. 
Although the journey was rough through a dry and arid place on their way to Jerusalem, they made it a place of springs. What a picture of joy you give us in this pilgrim's focus as he focuses his attention not on the journey through the valley, but on the thought of being in the very presence of you. God, we ask that you will teach us to have the same joy in this new year regardless of our circumstances. As we start another year, Lord, may it be a year where we are more heavenly minded. We desire to be more heavenly minded because it is pleasing to you. Continue guiding our church to be a church whose faith moves us to action. Continue causing us to help others while spreading the life-changing truth of the gospel through our men's and women's Bible studies, VBS, Awana, Living Nativity, through our salt groups, young adult groups, through music, junior church, Sunday school, grief share, our ministry to the homeless, and our newest ministry, Child Evangelism Fellowship, and many others. Help our church to continue to grow these ministries you have entrusted us with. Or we also are thankful for the Franklin family who just completed their 20th year of ministry in Brazil. We pray for safe travels as they will be with us in a couple of days for an entire week. We thank you for their faithfulness in teaching at Bible school, evangelism at their church plant, through their preaching, homeschooling, and hospitality. We pray for the spiritual growth at the Bible school, both in staff and students. We pray that you give Tim and Martia wisdom as they continue spreading the gospel in Brazil. Lord, we also pray for our local international churches. We're so thankful to you that you have provided many places for Christians to gather and worship. May the local international church continue to preach and teach the gospel. And may they also become more heavenly focused through your spirit in this new year. We are also thankful for our many missionaries throughout the world. We want to continue to pray for our missionaries in Ukraine as there's still a lot of unrest. Keep them safe, give them wisdom for what is going to be best for their ministries. We continually pray for peace and for your will to be done in all these situations. Lord, we are thankful again for the opportunity you've provided for our youth to go to the Teen Leadership Conference at the Washington Family Ranch recently. Thank you for safe travels as Pastor Stichter took four of our young teen men to experience some time away together to draw near to you. We also pray for Lynette Fields, Lord, and her family as her dad is in the hospital because of a heart attack. We pray for strength and wisdom for her and her family, as well as healing for her dad. For Beverly Cunningham's brother, Donald, who had a stroke earlier this week, we pray for rest and healing, Lord. We also pray for continued rest and healing for Stephanie Warden, her foot. We give you praise, Lord, for the healing of, of their grandson, Lemuel, and allowing him to return home after many days in the hospital. The Travises, as their stepfather or grandfather passed away earlier this week, we pray for peace, comfort, and safe travels as services will be soon. And Lord, for unspoken prayers, those who may be sick or struggling with different circumstances, Lord, guide them, give them courage, patience, give them humility, and continue trust in you and you alone. And Lord, please continue preparing our hearts as Pastor Chris comes to speak the truth in love and shares the greatest resolution ever from Mark 12. In Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate that, Willie, so much. Our junior church kids are welcome to go to class now. It's for ages 5 through 9. Ages 5 to 9, have a wonderful time, kids. As they're going, I'll just mention that uh, Tim and Martia, as was prayed there, they will be here next Sunday, and we look forward to having Tim bring the word to us in both of our services, and they'll give a mission report update on their mission work there in Natal, Brazil. And we are their sending church. What a, a privilege and honor for us. But uh, look forward to having Tim and Martin and the family here next Sunday. Well, let's do go ahead and open our Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12. This is a very meaningful text for us as we gather here to worship on this, this first Sunday of the new year. And we're going to look at the greatest resolution ever. There are actually two of them. 
known as the greatest and the second greatest. Now, last week, the, the kids in here nailed their pop-up quiz, so today I've got a New Year's trivia for the adults. If you think you know what the greatest resolution ever is, raise your hand because I've got about 145 candy canes left from last Sunday. Um, you know, if you'd like a candy cane, they will be at the back door on your way out. You can grab one at that time. Last Sunday to get candy canes in church for a year, so don't miss that. But I don't know about you, but New Year's resolutions can sometimes look like this picture. Without a doubt, the greatest commandment given by Jesus himself here in our text today can sometimes feel like this picture. But by the grace of God, we will take one step at a time, perhaps even begin to run up the steps by His grace as we pursue the greatest resolution ever, and that is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know the second is like unto it. It is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And before we look at these, these greatest resolutions here at Mark 12, we do need to, to grasp a bit of of context. And then just in case you'd like to read it later, Matthew's parallel record of this account is very insightful. It's in Matthew 22. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. But the Sadducees had just unsuccessfully tried to trick Jesus with, with a hard question, a question about a woman who married seven brothers, now one at a time, but each of them died, and so she, she married the next brother, and then he would pass away, etc., all the way through the seven brothers. And the Sadducees wanted to ask Jesus, in a situation like this, who would she be married to in heaven? Now, I don't know who thinks up questions like this, but the Sadducees. But at any rate, Jesus rebuked them for their ignorance of two things, the Scriptures and the power of God. You can see Jesus' full answer in Matthew 22. So after Jesus puts the Sadducees in their place, this group of religious leaders, the Pharisees come along and apparently spot an opportunity to one-up the Sadducees. That is the impression I get from both of these texts. So they're discussing among themselves, and a lawyer from among the Pharisees a scribe, he is called, steps out, and he also asks Jesus a question. And this is also an attempt to test Jesus. Matthew 22, the account there gives us this insight, which we would miss if we only read the Mark text. But this, this conversation between Jesus and the lawyer, the scribe, is what we're going to look at today. So with that context, follow along as I read Mark 12, starting in verse 28. He says, one of the scribes came and heard them arguing. This is the discussions going on between Jesus and the Sadducees. And recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. So we have this question from this scribe among the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing to do? You might say, what is the best New Year's resolution we could possibly have? Jesus makes it very clear in his answer that what he says should be at the top of our New Year's resolution list 
every year. If you're looking for guidance for the new year, if you're looking for spiritual direction, focus to make sure that your trajectory in the new year is aimed where it should be, then Jesus' answer here is the best possible answer. Love God supremely. Love the Lord your God, the one true God, with all of your being. And love those around you just like you would yourself. These are the greatest commandments, he says. That means nothing else compares. Jesus goes on to even say in the Matthew account, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. As the King James Version says, on these two hang all the law and prophets. Jesus is saying, if you get these two right, you get everything right. So let's break these down a little and we'll look at some cross-references for understanding and then we'll consider some application. Now, if you know your Old Testament, then you know that Jesus is quoting from the Shema. He's quoting the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 6, which begins with these three words, Hear, O Israel. Shema in Hebrew means hear. And these verses are just too good, so listen to the first nine verses that I read from Deuteronomy 6. Now, this is the commandment. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you go, are going over to possess it. So this is Moses passing on the commands of the Lord to Israel before they pass into the promised land without him, you might remember. He says that, uh, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. Don't you love the multi-generational aspect to passing on the fear of God and teaching it to our children and their children? He says to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's the portion Jesus quoted, uh, the, the Shema, which is often repeated in Jewish services, as you may know, and rightly so. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That is a solemn, grand declaration of faith and worship. Now, next comes the avahavta, the or ahava, which is the Hebrew word for love. This is the love declaration and commitment that comes next. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. That points to everything we do, right? It says, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, pointing to, to everything we think. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's pointing to everywhere we go, these things should be in our thoughts and in our behavior. The first command, the greatest command, both when Moses gave it, when Jesus repeated it 2,000 years ago to this scribe, and today the first and greatest command is to love God with every facet of our being, heart, soul, mind, strength. If you think about those words, it's talking about everything we are, everything we think, everything we do. No aspect of life is to go untouched by this command. Nothing to go uninformed, uninfluenced by the greatest possible thing we could do to love God supremely. This command is not only to govern our faith and our theology, but it's to govern our, our homes 
and our marriages, our parenting, our education, and our entertainment, our, our employment, and our goals in life, our relationships, how we do church, how we do life. We learn from Scripture that to love is to sacrifice, to seek the very best for another, even at our own expense. To love is to put others first. First Corinthians, as you know, is one of the great portraits of what Christ-like love, true biblical love looks like. In very brief summary, it is to be patient and kind. It is not jealous or arrogant, is not unbecoming or self-centered, is not easily provoked and does not hold grudges, rejoices in what is right and true, bears all things, believes all things, it, it hopes and endures all things. We see that true godly love never fails. It's even greater than faith and hope, the chapter says. Learn all this and more from 1 Corinthians 13. No wonder love is the greatest commandment. When we study the first three verses in that chapter, we also learn that it doesn't matter how good we are with words. It does not matter how smart or even religious we are. It does not matter how generous we are or if we are even martyrs for Christ if we do not have love. Without Christ-like love, Paul says, we are nothing. It is of no benefit. No wonder true godly love is the greatest commandment, the greatest deed, the greatest resolution. So point of application for us here. As we ponder the new year and a good, healthy, biblical refocus on what's most important and eternal, as we make decisions now going into the new year, I challenge us to all consistently be evaluating with this question. How will this express my supreme love for God? We filter every decision and every behavior through that question, through this greatest commandment. This is what it means to live as a Christian. The question, how will this express my supreme love for God? This financial decision, this argument I'm having, this fear that keeps me up at night. We approach it all with, how can I and should I demonstrate my supreme love for God in this situation? In hindsight, we can evaluate ourselves by asking, did my behavior, did my choice of words, my attitude genuinely demonstrate my utmost love for God. I'm telling you, I have not had a discussion or argument with my wife or children yet that would not have been well-shaped by the question, am I loving God supremely right now in the way I am communicating? Are my words, even in this very difficult conversation, are they ultimately demonstrating how greatly I love God and how great my desire is to honor Him above all else? Or am I just making a point, trying to get my way? I've yet to find a financial decision that was not well shaped by the question, how does this decision first demonstrate my love for God? I have mo I've had multiple situations both with myself and others on this very point in the past few days. How does this financial decision demonstrate first my love for God? As you can see, every single New Year's resolution, every prayer and desire and ambition should go first through the filter of loving God. This is such a simple practice when, when we stop and think about it. 
And yet it is so foreign to our natural mind. It is so foreign to the flesh. This is so much more than loving God on Sunday and loving self on Monday and the rest of the week. This isn't just a truth. It is a mindset. It is a way of life. And this much is certain. If our church family strives together in this new year to grow in our sincere love for God at the heart level, the soul level, mind level, strength level, meaning it impacts our deepest desires, thoughts, and behaviors, then this much is certain. God will grow our church family spiritually in 2023. And He will use us in marvelous ways no matter what happens in this economy, no matter what politics may bring us, no matter what society does, no matter what our neighbors or relatives do, if we are genuinely and measurably growing in our love for God first, the principle in the text is this, everything else will fall in place. You know as well as I do how exhausting it is to try and hold life together. So many factors on every front. How much better to devote ourselves to knowing what it means to love God and doing that first, doing that foremost. We do this because it is the greatest commandment. One of my weaknesses it is that I tend to categorize too many of life's issues apart from God. I think this is a practical situation that needs a practical decision. When as a follower of Christ and in reality, this is a practical decision that needs a spiritual solution. I find that to be more and more true every time I consider it. It's because love for God impacts everything. Going into the new year asking, Lord, how can I love you more in this situation or that situation should be on the front of all our minds. That question should be tied to our hands as we live out the new year. May I humbly ask, how much do you love God? Or perhaps more accurately put it, how much does your life demonstrate that you love God more than anything and anyone else? I ask myself these same questions because this is the most important thing. May we love God more in 2023. Next, we see that it's from the foundation of the greatest commandment, the greatest ambition, the greatest resolution that we get the second greatest, to love those around us like we love ourselves. Entire books are written on this subject. Entire sermon series are given just on this subject. For the sake of time, I'll say that much of what we just discussed in the past few minutes now applies on the second level to others. 1 Corinthians 13 just weighs in mightily. We need to be patient and kind with one another to not be arrogant or self-centered and so on. Love by nature is sacrificially serves others. It earnestly seeks the best for others. It diligently puts others ahead of self. This type of behavior is so powerful. You've seen it. You've experienced it. You've, you've received it. As we noted multiple times in the past couple weeks in John 3, 16. It's what moved God, God, the heart of God, to send His Son. Why did God send His Son? Because He loved us. It's that powerful, even in the heart of God. 
He sent his son for us. It's important to note that when we live out this kind of prioritized love toward God and toward others, particularly toward the others now, it's important to note that this is not to be done only for their personal and physical benefit, but primarily for their spiritual benefit. If you've not thought on this, this, this angle of love, think, think diligently on it today. This is what distinguishes godly love from all other loves. We sacrifice greatly for others to encourage them in holiness. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. We sacrifice greatly for others to encourage them in holiness. When we share a cup of refreshing water, we do it in Jesus' name. That's not how the world shares. When we bless someone, it's because God has blessed us and our goal is to turn their eyes to Jesus and to give Him thanks and to give Him praise. Hear me on this. The Christian's love for others is ultimately God-focused. This differentiates the world's genuinely selfless love from the believer's genuinely selfless love. It's the aim and purpose of love that is unique to the believer. The world is ultimately focused on benefiting others and humanity. The believer is focused ultimately on benefiting God and His glory, and His kingdom, even as we demonstrate love to those God has placed around us. This is a very different aim of love than what the world can offer. As we ponder this new year in a a good, healthy, biblical refocus on what is most important and what is eternal, I challenge us to hang on to this second evaluative question. How will this express my Christ-like love for those around me? We filter all related decisions and behaviors through the question, how will this express my Christ-like love for those around me? Whether it's a financial decision that affects everyone in our family or this argument that we're having or this fear that keeps us up at night, we approach it all with even a combination of these two commands. As a matter of faith and love for God, how am I demonstrating Christ-like love to those around me? This is not just a noble thought. This is a way of living. It's a mindset that is continually to be adopted by those who claim to be children of God. This is a faith-based way of living. You have to have faith in God to love others like He commands. This is a loved, love for God-based way of living. Consider these scriptures. 1 John 4, 7 to 21. This is a lengthy text, but every time I tried to parcel this, I kept putting it back together. I won't comment on all of it for the sake of time, but let these words in their pure form just wash over your mind and enlighten your thoughts in your New Year resolutions. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. I won't have this up on the screen, but you can follow along. Listen. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I mean, is it just me or these incredible statements? The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. That's why we're followers of Christ. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's why we celebrate Christmas, right? He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. We often think about Christ abiding in us. Do we think about abiding in Him? What a tremendous spiritual reality for the believer. He goes on to say, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. I love those two words. We not just know it, we believe it. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Let me interject. You wouldn't typically consider this an eschatological text, an end times text, but oh my goodness, yes it is. Our love for God and our love for one another absolutely impacts the day of judgment and how we experience it. Chew on that for a bit. The verse continues. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Could that text possibly be clearer? He is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Period. 1 John 4 should have significant impact on our New Year's resolutions and our outlook on the months to come. What about 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11? Above all, so you just put this in priority, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did I mention that David Mayer is looking for at least one more person to help on the cleaning rotation for the church bathrooms? Boy, if you're looking for something else to add to your New Year's resolution list, have we got one for you. As each one has received a special gift. Some of you are masters at cleaning toilets and countertops. I just know it. We're always looking for people to help in the children's ministries. The text says if you've got a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Love that. So that in all things... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. This is how the Christian life works. This is how the believer's life works. When we fervently serve one another in love, God is glorified through Jesus Christ forever and ever. These are amazing spiritual realities. Romans 13, 8 <clears throat> says it quite bluntly. He who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. 
That aligns with what Jesus said in this text. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 14. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you're a list kind of person, and I am a list kind of person, the scripture gives us ample, ample lists to live from, out of the heart, out of love for others, out of love for God. In 2023, may the people in our homes, may we as a church family be well described by these words, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, again, Scripture is prioritizing. We already had the, 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 the above all. Now, now we see this, beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. You want to know how to have a happy, healthy church that is functioning, is one in Christ, even as they are one in Christ? Colossians 3, 12 to 14. When those words sink in and they begin to work their way out, love abounds and the church is united. If you thank God for that in this place, would you say amen? Amen. I thank God for this. God has demonstrated the truth and the reality of these verses in our church family as we have, by His grace and guidance, navigated the past three years in particular. He is so good. We demonstrate our love for God when we love each other. The greatest resolution and the second greatest as well. Love God, love each other. There's nothing new here today. I'm sure you have, you have pondered these thoughts before, I have too, but they never grow old, do they? I dare say they only grow better, more wonderful, more true to our understanding, more powerful and desirous. As Jesus said, there is no other commandment greater than these. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? Even more importantly, are we living that? This is the greatest thing we can do in the new year. Now, time does not afford us to study verses 35 to 40. I wanted to tag this on as kind of a bonus because it is such an awesome follow-up lesson that Jesus immediately gave following the verses that we just read because in these next few verses, Jesus essentially turned the tables on the Sadducees and the Pharisees and he basically said, I now have a question for you. Oh, what I would give to to watch the video replay of this whole conversation. Both groups of religious leaders have attempted to trick Jesus. And after not being able to, he says, I now have a question for you. Let me just read these last few verses and give you two quick study questions for your salt groups or your own personal study. Verse 35 says, and Jesus began to say as he taught in the temple, how is it? that the scribes, who just asked the last question? A scribe. How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself said in the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? And the crowds, the large crowd, enjoyed listening to him. Now, that's because Matthew 22 says, No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. That's why the crowds were enjoying this so much. (laughs) 
It was a great debate. But the next three verses I want to draw our attention to as we close. This is what godly love does not look like. Jesus gives a contrast in these few words. And after we read these, here are the two challenge questions for you and me as we move into the new year. How do we as Christians make these same mistakes in principle? How do we as Christians make these same mistakes in principle? And secondly, what is the opposite or proper behavior that we should then pursue? These verses help us to understand what love does not look like and therefore, in contrast, what it should. Verse 38 through 40. In his teaching, he was saying, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. Again, who just asked the last question? (laughs) The scribes. Be aware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. Behavior number one that is not loving. They like to walk around in long robes. What would that look like in 2023? In the church, in our church. And like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. End of this section. Now, first glance, we, we read that passage and we think, whew, glad I don't do any of those things. No long robes, no long prayers, I don't devour widows' houses, whatever that means. But upon a little bit of reflection and what these same behaviors would look like in the 21st century church, we realize we struggle with many of the same things. My church family, let us not do those things. Let us do the first and second greatest commandments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to give us words of wisdom, words of blessing, words that guide us into the new year so aptly. So significantly, they encompass everything we will do and experience in the new year. Oh, Lord God, help us to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us the grace, the obedience to love you more and to love others more in this new year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Together. Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be. In a working or in waiting, another. everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.